seem like every restaurant meal included a trip to the salad bar? Most of those bars got yanked in the age of Purell and preening chefs who didn't like the idea of mere customers assembling their own food. Even Wendy's gave up on its salad bar. Ruby Tuesday was one of the last salad bar strongholds when its sales started slipping. In the third quarter, fiscal year 2017, its revenue dropped by more than 16%. So the company decided its only recourse was to wager everything on its last, quote, differentiating feature. It rebranded its salad bar as the Garden Bar, amped it up by 19 ingredients, including mandarin oranges and Parmesan cheese crisps, and created new dressings, such as cilantro vinaigrette, to offer alongside French and Thousand Island. It was a good effort, correct for our vegetable-forward times, but from where I stood, which was directly in front of a garden bar, it looked more like a strikeout than a step up. I wasn't standing alone. Two other customers were also facing the salad bar, plain white plates in hand. What kept us from moving down the line was the worrisomely brown spinach and romaine. There was iceberg lettuce too, but it seemed like the whole point of seeking out black beans and beets was to maximize nutrients. And then we noticed a service container of julienne kale leaves, small and frizzy as the frills on a club sandwich toothpick. My guess is Ruby Tuesday meant for guests to use the kale as a way to flag their virtuousness. Even candied walnuts and crumbled blue cheese look healthy with a kale sprig on top. But we turned the garnish into a salad base. Getting by at Ruby Tuesday involves making the most of very, very little. If I had reviewed Ruby Tuesday for Vegetarian Times, I probably would have put it higher on my list. Although neither of the locations I visited had a fully stocked garden bar, so far as I could tell. For whatever reason, the bars are always located in a dimly lit portion of the dining room. Just knowing that hummus, edamame, and meat-free pasta salad are supposed to be in the lineup makes the restaurant vegetarian-friendlier than any other chain I visited. But I suspect meat-eaters will care more that Ruby Tuesday is a depressing place to eat. Maybe the dark wood and leather that designers chose for a chain-wide makeover nearly a decade ago is responsible for the gloomy mood. Or maybe it's the server's visible fatigue. In any case, Ruby Tuesday feels like where you'd end up after a trying doctor's appointment. Ruby Tuesday's latest attempt at winning over customers is a Southern strategy. The chain is headquartered on the outskirts of Knoxville, so now it's pitching Creole tilapia, Smoky Mountain chicken, and a hickory bourbon bacon sirloin. It's nearly all sticky, sweet, and saucy, except for the deviled eggs, which are rubbery, and the mashed potatoes, which are powdery. The only legitimate highlights are tender zucchini pickles, which accompany pork meatballs, come submerged in thick barbecue sauce, and the sturdy crackers with the mayo-heavy pimento cheese. Perhaps the strangest thing about Ruby Tuesday is it doesn't print calorie counts on its menu, seemingly in violation of federal law governing chains with 20 or more locations. I asked Ruby Tuesday corporate for an explanation, but never heard back. So I contacted the FDA, and those messages were ignored too. Apparently, Ruby Tuesday just doesn't matter all that much. <laughs>